felt like it was my house. This is where I lived. I live in Whitby, but I didn't feel like it was my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to connect to the spaces that you were living in is so important. Being able to connect to the spaces that you, that you access, it, it's important. So I really hope that WOCDC really builds that connectivity. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to episode 10 of the Learn With Lyle's podcast. In this episode, I talked to Brianna Nelson, who is the founder of the Women of Color Durham Collective, which is an organization that seeks to build community among, as the name states, women of color in Durham. In our conversation, Brianna talked about the organization, what they do, why they're needed, and how her upbringing as a minority impacted her desire to create a community that she needed growing up. She also talked about some of the pushback her team has received, her hopes for the future of the Women of Color Durham Collective, or WOCDC for short, and her hopes for the future of Durham Region as a whole. The WOCDC is doing some really cool stuff and creating a space and community that Durham's never seen before, so kudos to Brianna for starting that and to her team for all the work that they do. I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode, and thank you again. How's everything going? Um, not bad, not bad. I'm glad it's a Friday. It's a little bit gloomier than I expected today, but I can't complain weather-wise. Yeah, it's yeah. And how are you uh, dealing with Corona and kind of all the hecticness that's going on? Um, it has been an indefinite shift. Me working from home, so I've I've become accustomed to the whole process now. But um, I think every time I wake up, seeing a new news broadcast and kind of having to get used to what's coming out on a daily basis, mm-hmm. that um, I'm really glad to have family around right now. So it's definitely a time for introspection. I've seen that online floating around. I'm like, I think yeah, I've had so much time to focus on things that I've been kind of putting on the back burner. So at least that's um, benefiting me right now. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, just to, to give you um, a little bit of background. So the podcast is called um, Learn with Lels. And so basically it started because I wanted to start a blog that kind of um, followed along as like I tried to learn different things. So I wanted to like learn how to cook and how to longboard dance. And then I just ended up like talking about my life and the things that I've been learning. Um, But then I kind of just like felt like a narcissist and I was like, Oh, I don't want to just talk about myself. Like I want to talk to other people about like what they're learning in their lives. And so that's why I started the podcast and I um, wanted to use this podcast to, to talk to people with like unique stories and different backgrounds and especially people who may be um, underrepresented in the media. Um, so that's why, um, when I saw women of color Durham collective, you guys started following me on Instagram and I was like, Oh man, like that would be like such a a great group to have on, on my podcast. Yeah. That sounds awesome. I love that. And thank you so much again for inviting us. Um, I think it's always great to be able to share other people's stories and get that information out there. So yeah, thanks for giving us this platform today. Yeah, of course. Um, so for our listeners, can you introduce yourself? So maybe like your name, where you live, what you do? Yeah, of course. So my name is Brianna Nelson. 
Um, I am a 24-year-old black woman. Um, I'm also a Whippy resident. Shout out to Whippy. Um, and I'm really passionate about community development as well as social work. So for um, my nine to five, I am a community health and education assistant at CAMH, so the Center for Addictions and Mental Health. Um, I also work for a couple other organizations like the Durham Black Student Network. I'm an outreach facilitator for them, um, as well as a youth program leader for the town of Ajax. So um, a lot of my work focuses on youth and youth engagement, um, which also led me to create the Women of Color Durham Collective, um, which is essentially a um, community organization, completely youth-led, and our whole focus is about supporting and empowering um, young women of color between the ages of 18 to 29. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's kind of the main thing that I wanna, wanted to talk about is the Women of Color uh, Durham Collective today. Do you have like a short form that you call it? <laughs> WOCDC is the short form. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so um, you kind of talked about it a little bit, but what are the kinds of things that your group does? Um, So this organization has ebbed and flowed for the last year now. Um, You're kind of getting us at the perfect time, too, because we are in the process of um, a brand refresh on our team, too. So we're kind of strategizing right now different ways that we can go about um, expanding the organization. But essentially, we do various things like hosting events. Um, we schedule different meetups. Um, we had our first meetup hosted um, and set up for March. But unfortunately, with everything that has happened recently, we had to cancel it. But we're looking forward to being able to launch that um, series soon. Mm-hmm. Um, we are working on developing a community program. Um, that's something that has been um, in the works now for the last year or so, and we're still working on sort of figuring out how that's going to look. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping to develop a volunteer network, so a space for young women to um, support the collective in various ways. It's also a great way for them to build their resumes and find things that they might be interested in. It could be as um, as small as, say, helping us out for one-time events, or as large as collaborating w- with us with our, one of our projects. Um, Um, A good example of one of the projects we have is our Hue photo series. So that's honoring unapologetic expression, which really centers on um, providing a platform for all women of color of any age, um, either living in or connected to Durham region, to just meet other young or meet other women of color, um, feel beautiful in their skin. We get to take photos of them and they get to share their stories in an honest and safe space. Aside from that, we're working on creating some youth-led resources as well. Um, I love reading up on things that are for youth and by youth. So there's a lot of different things that we're working on from an organization perspective, but um, we're so excited to see some of these things grow over the next year. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's amazing. Why is it so important for you to focus on youth? Um, I think... One, granted, I am a young person. Our team is filled with young people. Um, So we're coming from that perspective. But also, when I think about it, this organization came came about directly from my own personal experiences moving to Durham. Um, I moved here uh, in the middle of grade eight, so a pretty um, rough time for transitioning. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel comfortable getting to know others. I felt very different, Mm -hmm. and I kind of had to learn very quickly that um, 
people weren't going to accept me for who I was. So I realized that while I lived here and I continued to go to high school to meet new people, I was changing to fit what they, they thought I was. Um, and I lost a very large sense of my identity. Um, and come time when I was in post-secondary school, um, I didn't know how to navigate that space. I didn't know how to connect with others. I didn't know um, how to meet new people, but I just longed for that sense of community and, and safety in community as well. So um, through my own personal struggles, I, I sort of identified that like young people really need supports through that transition period. Um, and it doesn't have to be what we always think it is, like um, wrap around, um, very frontline. It can be as, as holistic as community members just around you, being able to connect with them in casual spaces, just being able to like speak about the things that we're going through in an honest um, and unapologetic way. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where this youth focus came from for WOCDC. Mm -hmm. Cool. Makes sense. So it's kind of like you're looking back at, at your experience growing up and, and seeing what you needed when you were younger. Exactly. And what was also amazing about that is um, connecting with the team members and them being able to share their experiences and, and identifying that there were so many similarities. We all felt like we were missing things um, as we were transitioning and we really wanted people to be able to have that sense of community coming after us. Mm -hmm, right. And um, I don't know if you if you said this now, or if you mentioned this on your website, you moved from Toronto, right? Yep. So um, I lived um, around High Park area in Toronto for the first 13 years of my life. Um, I lived in Toronto Community Housing, and I honestly could tell you of, um, I might even get this wrong, um, the 155 units in my complex, I probably knew almost everyone's name. Mm -hmm. um, so I really came from a very connected space. Um, and moving in the middle of grade eight to Durham, specifically Whippy, um, and very quickly noticing like there weren't people in the middle of the streets playing games. I was so used to looking out my window and being like, my friends are outside. I'm going out too. And you just do it. It wasn't um, you just knew everyone you saw, you always talked to everyone. So when I moved here, um, it was a new development. No one was outside playing. It was very isolated. Um, I'd say people were living in silos. I think people are still living in silos in Durham, but it was a very weird change. Mm -hmm. True. And also going from like the, the diversity of Toronto, of the city, and then coming to Durham and, and not really seeing that at all. I'm sure that was a huge change as well. Yeah, um, I always tell people that when I had um, first started in grade eight, I think I was one of three black people in my class. Mm -hmm. And I had never felt like a minority before. I, I always knew that that word was attached to the color of my skin. But seeing myself in that classroom and, and feeling like I stuck out and feeling like that for the rest of that school year um, was something I had to work on. It was something that really um, changed the way that I saw myself too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. So how did you get through that? Whew. That time was a difficult time. I think for me, um, I, it was different. Um, I would isolate myself because I just didn't like the idea of having to change myself to fit in. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And when that wasn't working for me, that's when I started to change. Like I I wore what everyone else was wearing. I chopped like they did. I downloaded the apps and games that they were playing on. and, And suddenly I was so welcomed, but I felt like I was losing myself at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it was, I would say I did a good job at fitting in, but I just changed so much and so drastically that come time when um, I graduated and I was in a, a new high school and I had time to reflect, I, I couldn't even tell myself, like, who are you now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Oh, that's so difficult. I feel like that's so relatable to you because um, like my, my story is a little bit different because I was born and raised in Curtis. So... Mm-hmm. Um, like going to school and growing up, like all of my friends were white and I was like the, my sisters and I were the only Asians in our school. Um, and growing up, like so many times people would, would tell me, oh, Caitlin, like you're whitewashed and saying it as if it were a compliment. And, um, and like growing up, like when I was a kid, like when people would tell me that I would be like, oh yeah, like that's a good thing. But, but then like looking back growing up and, and looking back at that, I'm just like thinking like, why would that be a compliment to be something that I'm not like that kind of is like implying that it's not good to be Asian and good to be Filipino which is what I am so Mm -hmm. I I can certainly relate it's a little bit different but but definitely um some parallels in there no definitely I've gone through very similar experiences and you're really like dropping some gems right now um (laughs) I, I think people to this day still say it like it's a compliment but um in my own personal experience, I, I don't want to be called whitewashed. Um, like, I, I know who I am and I know uh, what I do. And, like, you know, saying things like that can be very hurtful. Um, and just thinking about when I was young and people would say that to me, even family members would say it to me because they um, had gotten to a point where they thought it was also a compliment. So just how it kind of um, changes form in different contexts as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so were there any like main experiences growing up that kind of stand out to you that influenced you in, in deciding to start the WOCDC? Is that how you, that, that's the short form that you call it? Yeah, that's the short form. Um, I will say we've had some fun conversations thinking about how to pronounce it. Like what if people don't want to say WOCDC? What if we say like, Wawaduk or <laughs> we've tried. So yeah, trust. It's it's been in the mix and we just can't get it right. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think when I when I think back to my experiences specifically in in Toronto, um, I was always surrounded by so many diverse people. But specifically when I think about when I used to live in Swansea Muse, I always hung out with um young women who um, either looked like me or other women of color, I was always around them. Um, One of my best friends was um, from Afghanistan and I would always come over to her house. Um, We'd watch movies together. Her mother would cook for us. And I was just always around different cultures, learning from them. And honestly, it was one of the best experiences that I could ever have growing up because I was learning every day from the people around me. There was no judgment. Um, I was always um, able to share exactly what I felt um, and they would tell me exactly how it was. So Mm -hmm. I was so used to that. And I think um, 
wow, I feel like this question's literally like making me think that like those experiences definitely led me to WOCDC because I think it's important for us as women of color to understand that our experiences are not the same. Um, just because we have this label of, as women of color, um, there are so many intersections when it comes to our own experiences um, throughout our life course. Um, but it's so important that we talked about them together because we learn so much from one another. And I think that's what this platform is. It's about learning from one another. It's not telling us that we're all the same. That's not true. Um, but we have stories that need to be told um, and telling them in a safe space. And what space is like when I think about women of color all together in a room, I just think that's the safest space for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, so how did, how did you start this group? How, it hasn't been uh, running for very long, has it? No, so this past February was actually our one-year anniversary. Yeah, this group, ooh, when I think about how it started, it was just so all over the place. Um, <laughs> for the last, I would say, in my fifth year of university, that's where the kind of the actual idea formalized. Um, I had taken some really awesome courses focused on um, community work and social justice, and I was just so amped to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I acknowledged that for a long time, I wasn't the person who was a leader. I was the follower. I was the person who let people lead. Um, and it was uncomfortable for me to go into this space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of battled with myself, like, is it okay for me to, to put myself out there as a leader? And what if people don't see me as such? And what if this all falls apart? So for a long time, I would just write in my journal. I would write ideas down. Like I would love to see this event happen in Durham, or I would love for this, um, a, like program to come up in Durham, et cetera. And I was just writing notes after note after note all the way into, um, I would say, a year after that where I was working different jobs, I'd be like, I'd have a little notebook on the side. When I get bored, I'd just doodle about what it could look like. Um, But I was never ready to mobilize. Um, There was just too much fear around failing. Mm -hmm. But one day, um, funny enough, it was in February, I think maybe Valentine's Day around that time, I gotten a couple messages from um, my partner and my best friend, and they just were very encouraging. Um, and when I thought about it, I was like, why am I hesitating so much to do this? I've spent so much time on this. Um, I have ideas down. I think it'd be useful to just put my foot forward. Um, so I had my best friend make our logo. So the logo that you see on our website or our Instagram, that was uh, developed by my best friend, Michelle. Mm-hmm. And we had spent a month drafting that together. And when it was done, I was like, there's no going back. Yeah. <laughs> there's no going back at this point. We've put all this work in. You just got to push through and do it. So um, February, um, I believe it's the 22nd or the 21st, I just put myself out there on Instagram. Um, I shared it with all of my friends. And one thing led to another. And I was putting out Google Forms for applications. I was messaging my friends, letting them know if they wanted to help. and Honestly, I remember going to bed that night when I had launched the applications and I was like, no one is going to apply. And if no one, I'm going to have to do this by myself, but that's okay. Um, It'll be work, but that's okay. Um, And I woke up and I had um, no applications. (laughs) So there was definitely some, some anxiety there. 
Um, there are a couple failures, um, just getting things connected. You know, you learn as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember the day that I got an application and I, I cannot tell you my joy and my excitement. Um, and then after that, there was another application and another one. And um, just knowing that there, there's people that are out there that see the value in this and want to support it, it just every day I'm just filled with so much happiness and, and love knowing that people really see the vision um, that I'd seen so long ago and I just was too scared to take the plunge. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's so exciting. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It's always so hard to to start something new and to put yourself out there. I feel like even when I started this, like as a, as a blog, I was like, every time I post and even sometimes still, I'm like, oh my God, like nobody's going to read this. Like nobody's going to listen to this, but mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to do it. Like you just, just gotta, yeah. Like you said, just take the plunge. <laughs> yeah. Like feel the fear and do it anyways, even though I hate being scared and I hate failing. I'm learning more and more as I'm growing older that like you learn so much from failing, even if you fall flat on your face, Mm -hmm. Um, just get right back up, keep pushing forward because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And if you fail, it's like, well, it's better than having the regret of not trying. So. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you were, you were saying this a little bit already, but um, what, is, what is your hope for what people will be able to get from this group? Mm. I think there, there are a lot of different things that I hope. Um, one, and probably the one that I tell everybody um, when they ask me about WOCDC is that I don't see myself um, at the head of this organization forever. Mm-hmm. Um, my goal is to be able to provide this organization, use it as a space for young people who come after us to be able to take over, to continue the organization in Durham, to change it as they see fit, and for it to be a continued space for women of color in the area. Um, and, and I honestly can't wait to see that happen. Um, so that's probably my, my number one goal. Other than that, um, I really want to see connections and collaboration coming from women of color. Um, I always like to use this example. Um, Shout out to Crystal if she's listening to this, but um, we had our first um, session of our Hue photo series and we invited um, various women of color to join us. Um, At the end of the session, we had a couple of women um, staying and they were talking to one another. They really connected. And one thing led to another, and they've actually um, established their own um, youth-led organization that's focused on um, um, voting rights for young people. So I believe it's called Youth Vote Counts Canada. So it's seeing small things like that just off of simple connections getting women of color in a room, getting them to speak to one another, to share their stories and seeing them want to connect further. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really what the goal of WOCDC is, is being able to make change. Hopefully our organization will be able to inspire other businesses that are um, led by women of color right here in Durham so that we feel more represented. We are taking up space um, and we feel like we are, we are a part of the fabric of Durham region. Because honestly, when I first moved here, I didn't feel like that was what the space was to me. I felt like it was my house. This is where I lived. I live in Whitby, but I didn't feel like it was my home. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to connect to the spaces that you are living in is so important. Being able to connect to the spaces that you that you access, it, it's important. So I really hope that WOCDC really builds that connectivity in the area. Yeah, for sure. So you're hoping that um, people will be able to get a sense of community and then also for women of color to not feel like they have to, to become someone else in order to fit in. They can, they can be whoever they are and, and, and fit in just as is. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Cool. I love that. Um, so what would you say to, to people who are not women of color? So, so to white people who may hear this and, and, and learn about the group and say, um, like who may have negative feedback. So maybe people will wonder like, Oh, like, isn't, isn't it sort of counterintuitive to exclude us when, when the goal is inclusion? Um, what would you say to people who are, are kind of asking those questions? Ooh, good question. Um, I, I want to start that off by saying we actually have had pushback from people in the beginning of the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, people would always ask me, like, why the focus on women of color? Why not just include all women? Um, and it was difficult for me to kind of verbalize because I knew, based on my own experiences, what I was envisioning. Mm-hmm. Um, but also understanding that, like, people want to be a part of the space. How do we connect everyone with the, within the space? Um, and, and just understanding that, like, so often um, marginalized communities are left out of the conversation. So often we are not represented on, on, on a large scale. Um, so when I thought about this organization, I wanted it to first and foremost be about um, those people, be about the people that are consistently left out, be about the people who need support, um, be about the people who, who want to feel uplifted, that want to feel connected. Um, so that's why, um, first and foremost, WOCDC is a space for women of color and that's self-identifying women of color, right? Um, we do welcome allyship and I, I am, um, a complete supporter for allyship, but I think it's also understanding that there's a time and place for everything and acknowledging that for so long, um, and, and not, I don't even want to say just for so long, um, it still happens that that we are consistently left out um, and, and erased, um, and I want to say systematically, systemically, etc. So um, whenever I think about those, those conversations, I really um, and truly um, feel that creating this space as first and foremost um, women of color centered Mm -hmm. is the most appropriate um, way to move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. So um, what would you recommend to allies who, who want to be supportive? Um, I would say show up, show out, support um, in any way that you can. We do have, well, depending on the situation, right now we do have events where um allies are completely welcome we're very flexible with that we just uh, we just like to let everyone know that when you are within the space understanding how much space you are taking up mm-hmm. um and and being able to let folks speak for themselves um coming into the space acknowledging your privilege um acknowledging where you stand um, and just holding space with one another and, and being supportive in the way of sharing our content, letting people know about us, um, letting people know that we are a resource to them. I love allies who um, tag us and let us know that they love what we're doing. It, it brings me joy again because I see that there is solidarity in that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, true. That's definitely good tips. And trying to think about it before, like, how would I answer that myself? Like, um, if I were kind of in your shoes, like, cause I, I have a lot of, a lot of white friends who I feel like would ask that question. And I was trying to think like a, of a, a way to explain it and like a, a way that they could understand. And I feel like it's kind of similar to like LGBTQ groups. Um, like a, a few of my friends are part of that community and I, and I know how important it is for them to connect with one another. And as a straight person, like it's like, I, I can't fully relate with them in some ways that they can relate with one another. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, it is kind of finding the balance between like allowing people to, to um, connect with people who are part of the same community, but then also finding a way to um, to show your allyship as well. So it's kind of like finding a balance in there. Exactly, exactly. Um, so what is your hope for, for Durham Region and maybe the changes that you'd like to see um, in, in Durham Region as far as inclusivity and, and diversity as well? Ooh. I'm like, how do I phrase this without being rude? <laughs> um, I think representation on a greater scale. Mm-hmm. Um, Ajax has the um, highest population of Black folks mm-hmm. in Ontario. Um, and yet we don't have the resources and supports to match that. Um, think about all of the, the people who are living in... Um, living outside of this sort of um, focus group of Pickering Ajax would be Oshawa, right? There are people of color living in Bowmanville, in Uxbridge, who have zero access to supports and zero access to other folks that look like them that they can talk to and share their experiences with. Um, I think I think people are starting to get it. I do see change. Um, and there are definitely municipalities that are making um, important movements towards diversity and inclusion. But I can truly say there is not enough work being done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm hoping that through WOCDC, we can um, speak to those who are in these positions of power and let them know that we are young people. Um, we are the ones who are being impacted by, by what we see in Durham. And, and if we can tell you right now that there is not enough um, and there needs to be changes, mm-hmm. then hopefully the young people that come after us who are hoping for the same things um, are not met with dissatisfaction, right? There are so many amazing, talented young people who are going to Durham College, who are going to Ontario Tech, um, and are also looking for jobs in this area. There are not enough jobs that also center the voices of women of color and people of color at that. So providing new markets, innovative markets where people can feel like, you know what, I live here, I work here, I feel connected here, this is my home. And we need more of that. So I, I really want to be able to, um, I don't want to say push, I don't want to say force, but I really want to provide a voice um, for these folks who are looking to stay and looking to belong here. Um, and really, truly, I, I really hope that um, we can push um, that message along um, across the region. And I'm hoping to create a more connected Durham region so that there are the folks that are in more rural areas and they know about us and they know that whenever they need it, we can be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, yeah, growing up in, in Curtis, I feel like that that would have been like a, a wonderful thing to have to know that these resources are out there because... Um, 
like growing up, it was kind of just my sisters and I, and that was it for, uh, for diversity and people of color. So to be able to know that um, there are other people out there who are trying would, would have been great. So I appreciate what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. I honestly appreciate that. And I think it's, it's from learning from people just like you who, again, have shared experiences and, and all of us acknowledging that um, through our, our young lives, there were things that were missing. And now is the time, literally now is the time to be able to change what has happened so that people um, tomorrow can feel more connected and feel more, um, I, I want to say related, but I, I just really want folks to see Durham as a space um, that can bring change. I think, and when I first moved here, I completely thought that by university, I was just gonna leave because I didn't feel like I, I needed to stay here. I didn't think anything was keeping me here. And I don't want that to be the same story for everyone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. That's so funny because I feel like I always think like, oh, someday, like in, in high school too, I always thought, oh, I like, I want to move to Toronto and so I can be around my more diversity and, and all exactly. that. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, that's true to, to make Durham a place where people want to stay rather than feeling that they need to move somewhere else. I think that's important. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm, yeah. Yeah. And um I feel like representation is just so important too. I, um, in, in our conversation, I keep thinking back to, um, my old boss. I worked for, um, MPP Granville Anderson before a, a few years ago. And, um, so he's black and I remember going to, um, to a class visit with him, uh, to a school like in Bowmanville or something. And, uh, there was like one or two black kids in the class and the way that they looked at Granville was just like, they were just so in awe of him because all of the teachers in the school were white. So the, the, the black students, um, in the class didn't really, uh, like have a, a, a teacher who looked like them to look up to. So when they saw Granville, they were just so excited. <laughs> Exactly. And it's, it's those things that really make the difference, which is why um, our team is so diverse. Like we are all women of color from different parts of Durham um, and also from different walks of life. Right. We're providing different perspectives. Um, yes, I identify as a black woman, um, but we have South Asian women on our team. We have East Asian women on our team. Right. And we, we're all trying to um, provide a space for all of us to come together to to share our stories. Um, because representation is key. Like when I moved here and I first started in um, public school, I didn't see it. It was only until I got to high school, there was literally an area in our cafeteria. Um, and I won't say the name of what everyone would call it, but it was just largely populated by black students. And like seeing that for me was important. Hearing the, the way that people had... Um, hearing the way that people would speak about that area really impacted me and just seeing the way that like people were, were looking at my skin or, or depicting us and who we were and not, not knowing us, but thinking that they knew us. Like things like that are so important and so built into like systems of oppression, et cetera. And just seeing it um, mirrored throughout high school. And honestly, that was one of the moments where I was like, maybe I will leave Durham and maybe I will go back to Toronto. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it was just finding my trusted folk um, and seeing them every day, connecting with them and building that capacity. That's really what changed, honestly changed the game for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure.
Yeah. It, and if we can get to a place where everyone, like, instead of judging people by how they look or thinking, oh, you must be like this because this is, is your background or whatever, like, it would be great if we could get to a place where everyone is like, oh, I get to know you first. And then, and then I realize what you're like, instead of jumping to conclusions because of what you look like. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's the goal someday. <laughs> hopefully someday soon very soon yes amen um did you end up going to to um to university in durham or did you go somewhere else oh no i left (laughs) i was not going to durham college it was not on my list i remember my mom suggesting it she's like it's so close by you could just take the bus and i was like absolutely not um but that was back when i didn't have a good sense of Durham. I just, there was so much resentment um, to the way that I kind of was acclimated to the space, um, the way I just didn't feel represented. I was ready to go as far as possible. And I remember my mom talking me into going to UFT. She was like, Mm -hmm. you're not going anywhere unless you're going to York, Durham College, or UFT. (laughs) I just remember like literally exiting out of the application for Waterloo. I was like, all right, well, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> True. So you went to U of T. Yeah, I went to U of T. Yeah. How was that experience like for you? Um, I liked it. Wasn't my favorite experience, but I think I learned a lot. So I went to UTSC specifically, mm-hmm. um, which is great because it was a very diverse space as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I stayed for five years specifically because in my first couple of years, I was not getting the post-secondary life. I was there fooling around my friends um, (laughs) in lectures, not listening, not learning, just there to have fun. Um, And of course, my marks (laughs) reflected that. But um, when I got to third year of university, I was was really... um, interested in my health studies courses. I just loved them. They were really touching on some key things like public health and um, social determinants of health. And I really was interested in in those topics. Um, For the longest time, I was only looking at psych and I was like, okay, I'm going to be a child psychiatrist. This is going to work out. This is going to work out. I'm going to do it. Um, And then I started to get disinterested. Um, health studies, honestly, I feel like saved me. It, it gave me more discipline. I really focused on trying to do well. We're always trying. We're always shooting for the stars. Um, but it wasn't until I had reached my fourth year, um, looking back at my previous marks, understanding where I wanted to be, um, I decided to stay the extra year, something that in the beginning I would have never considered. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so many people put so much pressure on the need to finish in the four years that you're given, get good grades and go off to your master's, your PhD, whatever. Um, I had battled with that idea because that was what I had known for so long. But taking that fifth year was the best thing I've ever done in my life. I had the greatest profs. I had started to go to office hours Um, I felt like I really developed myself and where I wanted to go and who I was in that final year that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And it sort of guided me and it showed me that like, I don't have to go into my master's. I can wait, I can work, I can learn. I can learn from different opportunities. I can learn from my community. And when I'm ready, I can go back to school. And that's exactly the life I'm living right now. Um, I'm, I'm learning through the different experiences that I have at work. I'm learning through this organization. Um, we always, um, talk about it, but 
we're learning as we go. We are, this is a youth-led organization, but it is, again, youth-led. We learn as we go. Uh, we try. We fail. Um, we have our team meetings. We figure it out, and we keep it moving. Um, so it's a big learning process, and I think for me, post-secondary school just taught me that failure is okay. Even though for the longest time, like I said before, I was not about failing, but failure is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so how would you say that your, your fifth year impacted um, the WOCDC and, and your decision to, to start it up? Hmm. Oh my goodness, in so many ways. Um, I took this course in particular, actually two courses. Um, I can't remember the names, but I remember the, the professors that I had. Um, and they were both just so amazing. One of the courses focused on social justice from like an intersectional lens. So every day we were looking at different stories um, and it was either local or global. And he'd even bring in speakers um, from different organizations to talk to us about their work. And it, it gave me that real life connection that like there are people who are here on the, on the ground doing grass work, grassroots work. Um, and understanding that it was a difficult space to be in, but it was also very rewarding. Um, and that kind of gave me more interest in kind of diving into that space and, and, and working in any organization and nonprofit spaces. Um, and then the other course I took um, specifically focused on um, different types of, um, not necessarily movements, but we learned a lot about different theoretical frameworks. Um, we learned about different social movements. And every day she always had us working in groups. I used to hate group work. So in the beginning, I hated the course, but it just became so nice to get to speak to a different person in each class. You'd work on a project together. It was very open-ended. Discussion was always flowing. And she just created within her room um, a safe space for us all to kind of talk about different things that were happening in the social sphere and what it looks like as um, health study students. And just having those two different courses, they really showed me that like, I, I can fall into this work of nonprofit, social work, community development, and, and I think I'd love it. Mm-hmm. And specifically at the end of that course, she gave us a project where we had to kind of envision our own organization. We worked in like groups of three. You had to develop like the mission, the vision, a poster, and like a presentation with it. And I don't think I have ever worked so hard on a project in my whole post-secondary career. I spent, I stayed up that night. I remember getting to school with my laptop and like typing things up. Um, it was just, I put so much work in. I, I even went to office hours. I never went to office hours. Um, even after the presentation, I went to office hours. It's like, what could we have improved on? Like I was so interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that just gave me that baseline. Like this might be what you love and you probably should, should continue to look into this field of social work, of community development. Mm-hmm. Was the project that you work on, worked on where you had to make up a, an organization, was it similar to what you've created here? Um, yes and no. I can't even remember what we came up with. Um, I probably have it saved on my computer because I'm that type of person. I'm like, no, I put too much effort into this. I'm going to keep it, <laughs> show it to someone one day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had built like a coalition and it was focused on, um, it was Black focused as well. 
And I just remember being like, yes, this is great. This is great. Okay. And like developing the poster and the images. Um, and it just all came to me very quickly. And I just remember being so picky. I think that was the one time I worked in a group where I would say I was overbearing. I was like, no, well, let's consider this. Like I, I was really taking on that like leadership mentality, mm-hmm. um, which is something I've never had like felt before. So it was a really great experience. Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah, like set you up exactly for what you're doing right now. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. Okay. I just have a couple more questions left. Um, but before I, I get into those, is there anything um, else that you want to talk about as far as the WOCDC and um, anything that you want people to know about it? Um, I would say we are in the process of our, our brand refresh. So I'd say stay on the lookout for new content coming from our team very shortly. Um, we also understand and acknowledge that right now it's a very uncertain time. So folks are moving into this new virtual space to engage with one another and WOCDC is doing the same as well. So, um, you'll see from us, if you do follow us on Instagram, it's at WOCDC. Um, we're looking to start doing Instagram lives and Instagram takeovers where our community members can, can use our platform as their own platform. Um, share your stories with us learn from us, learn with one another, um, tell us about your businesses. We really want to be able to um, ha- let everyone use this space and this time to connect um, um, in, in, a, in a way where we can all feel like we are together, even though I know right now we're not physically. So be on the lookout for that. And we are always looking for volunteers. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we're developing our volunteer network. So if you're interested in supporting in some way, or just if you've stumbled upon this podcast and you want to know more, you can always email us at info at wocdurham.ca. Cool. Great. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, okay. My last two questions. So I've been asking, um, every guest I've had on the podcast, these last two questions. Um, and since the podcast is called learn with Lels, it's, um, the questions are related to learning. So the first question is what is something that you have been learning lately? Hmm. Whew. man, there's so much. I feel like I'm always learning, but right now I think I've been learning patience um and i've all i've also been learning to trust the process i really think trust the process is like the answer i want to go with mm-hmm. um i think in this time specifically right now um there's been so much messaging going out and it can be very overwhelming and it's making me feel overwhelmed and thus causing me to overwork myself i'm thinking you know i have to use this time correct um i can't uh, fall behind on my tasks i need to keep working i need to keep working um but it hasn't been good for me honestly speaking in terms of my health and well-being it hasn't been good so um i think literally last week I kind of had to just sit with myself for a little bit and journal and just get my thoughts out of my head and I just wrote down exactly what I was feeling exactly why I was feeling it and how I would go about changing it Mm -hmm. um and I think in learning that um I don't have to do everything all the time that right now I can use this time as a time to unwind and heal like I can just zone out or I can just watch a movie I can just flip on Netflix and that's okay. I don't have to feel like I'm on the go all the time because um, that's not necessary. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love that. I feel like I relate to that so much. It's like, I think what, um, what I need to be learning, which is, is similar to what you were saying is to be kinder to yourself. Like, it's okay that you're not always productive. Like it's okay to, to watch a show every now and then, like you don't always have to be go, go, go. And I feel like this time is really, um, forcing people to, to think about that. Yeah. And it's so difficult. Like, again, I, I always say that as a woman of color, I, I think we work twice as hard to, to fit in and, and be in certain spaces. So when I'm not working and I see other people working, I'm like, oh, well, I have to, you know, pull up my sleeves and, and go back into this. But I think it's okay to not meet these nine to five hours when we're working from home. If we are even um, privileged enough to be working from home, like, mm-hmm. um, just giving ourselves time to breathe. That's definitely what I'm going to do after this call. Just breathe, (laughs) relax, watch something good, make myself feel good because I deserve it. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. (laughs) Um, And then my last question is what is the biggest lesson you've learned in life so far? I'm going to echo what I've said earlier. It's definitely, um, don't fear failing. Um, I remember I had a job interview probably a year ago. And in the interview, um, he asked me that like quintessential question, like, um, like, what is one of the things that you're working on? And I'm like, I literally told him, I'm learning on um, learning to fail and being okay with it. And he was like, what? And he looked at me very like uncomfortably. And he literally put down his um, interview paper and he just pulled up close to me and he was like, I don't think I've ever heard someone say that to me in any interview I've ever had. I'm like, well, I'm honestly, I'm trying to be as transparent with you as possible. I am learning to be okay with failure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's something I'm still continuously working on. Um, again, it kind of speaks to that work ethic that I have where I need to do things at a certain time and I want it to be perfect. Um, But it's also just acknowledging that it's okay if it's not. It's okay if it's a little messy. It's okay if it's a little um, wonky. Like I'm learning as I go. Um, I will always learn. Life's a learning process. Um, So I have to be comfortable with failure and I have to be comfortable with um, folks letting me know that I failed and telling me to try anyways. Um, and that's definitely something I'm taking with myself as I continue into whatever field that I go into in the future, even past WOCDC, being okay to fail, being okay to laugh at my failures. <laughs> it's so hard sometimes to laugh at when you fail. You're like, oh, no, but it's important. And it's definitely something that, um, has made me a better person all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great one for sure. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. I think that's everything I have to ask you. Thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me, Caitlin. I can't wait to listen. And thank you for being able to provide this platform for people. Um, I think even noticing like even knowing you, knowing that you're a woman of color who also um, lives in Durham um, and having this creative space where you connect with people, it's empowering to know that, that you've also stepped into the space and, and you're willing to share your voice and share stories um, across your platform. So thank you for having this and having us um, participate. Of course. Thank you. I appreciate that.